0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Tune in to conversations with Dr. D. Ivania Good evening, America. This is Dr. Dave Von Young, and welcome to Conversations with Dave Von Young. Well, today, do we have a show? Typically, we hear this term, you are not the father, and we associate that with Maury and somebody running off the stage after saying he's got your ears and he's got your eyes, and a paternity test coming back saying either that's not the case or some guy looking really stupid and like an ass because he's denied his child. Well, this goes a lot deeper than that. A broken home is often a considered a derogatory label, and too often children living with single parents have to contend with so many negative stereotypes and, and hurtful remarks made by insensitive adults. It doesn't matter whether uh, the single-parent family exists as the result of a divorce or the death of the other parent, the child is just clearly not responsible, and often the person that's end up left paying the tab is mom and Even though the kid is the one that really pays the price, what we're going to talk about tonight is how difficult it is and challenging to be a single parent. There's so many things that go on with this issue um, they range and and just to kind of touch on touch on a few of them is the physical custody of having a kid. You know, when you've had help, well, let's say you haven't had help. Let's say that you have been that person that from day one, it was just you and the baby. You know, based on what's best for the child, these things can be impacted going from everything, from where the child's school is located to uh, if there's a custody issue, going all the way down to co-parenting plans, visitation, child care, stability, uh, one parent feeling alienated from the other parent. I mean, there's so much that goes with this dynamic. So tonight, what we're going to talk about is America getting a little bit of an attitude adjustment. Now, before I get into this, let me break down a few stats to you. Uh, Since 1970, actually, when the phenomenon kicked off of being a single mom you we remember shows uh, the first one that is featuring an african-american woman had diane carroll playing this uh, character named julia and she was the first uh heroic black superwoman that was a single mom and during that show There was always this well-dressed, well-conferred, always knowing what to do, what to say, never needing any extra money, living in a high-rise, overpriced New York apartment mom that was on this show. But that is not the reality for most single parents. But here's some stats for you. Since 1970, the number of children living in a single-parent family has doubled And if we go beyond what the statistics pick up, it's probably even triple. In fact, the statistics from 1992 indicate that single-parent families represent more than 30% of U.S. households. And and I'm going to say this, 25% represents two-parent households. So, you know, that's really leaving some weird stuff out there. But based on current trends, There are predictions that upwards of 70% of children born since 1980 will at one point be living in the home of a single parent before their 18th birthday. Now, get this. Does this mean that our children are doomed? Does this mean that now we have put an unfair burden on single parents, and especially women? Often, mother has no choice. You know, Dad, and and I'm going to say this, you know, I have been and done the single-parent thing as a single man, and I braided the hair and got up and washed the clothes and tucked the kids in at night and said prayers and took everybody to church and what have you. And I'm I'm here to tell you, though it was a rewarding experience, it was sometimes ingratiating. I remember many days um, when I would ask God, you know, what the hell did I do? You know, why is it that uh, I married the wrong woman? You know, what happened here? What went wrong? And as I matured, as I got older, I looked at myself and I quickly came to the understanding that a pity party wasn't going to solve a damn thing. You know, if you are a single parent, if you are going to engage yourself in the reality of taking care of a baby by yourself. There's some things that you need to know and at the end of the show I'm going to go into that, but right now uh my producer Julia, are you there? I'm here. Okay, we have a guest tonight. Who's our first guest? Well, we have a couple America, but who's the first one, Jake?
2: First Up, We'll have the dynamic The awesome minister Jazz And I'll let her tell you all a little bit About herself but she is a celebrity Hairstylist she's also a reality TV show um, contest Winner but most importantly She's been a single mom For 13 years so she just has A story and a mission to share with everyone
1: Cool cool. Hey Jazz what's going on Welcome to the program
0: Thank you so much for having me Um I want to I want to say first that I am married now. Um I've been married just for 2 years and um I got married when my son my oldest was, was 13 and he's now 15 years old. And so for 13 years, yes, I was a single mother. However, it's really hard for me to understand the term single mom. But because I was not married, because their father was not in contribution to to me at all, financially, physically, emotionally. Um, I still, didn't, I still had support. I still had family. I still had friends. I still had um, community. You know, um, so the phenomenon of single mother has changed a lot from one that's alone. And so for me, whenever someone calls themselves a single mom or, or wears this um, badge, it can be a badge of honor. It can be a badge of disgrace. I feel like it's the person's individual choice, how it is that they see that, and how it is that they utilize their environment in order to support them, to create the love that they need for their children. I say this one okay, more thing. let me thing. ask I want you a really question. Quickly, when my, when my, the, the person that I did choose to have children with my two sons, I am almost ecstatic that he's not in their life. Um. So every time, you know, every, but Jess, every, Jess, yeah. Jess. Go ahead. Hang on a go, minute. ahead. <laughs> go
1: ahead. We got to back up. Hang on a second. Go hey, ahead. <laughs> this is starting to sound like Leave It to Beaver. Here's what I want to hear about this. I want to hear where did the train wreck happen that ended up causing you to be a single mom.
0: The train wreck that ended up causing me to be a single mom was low self-esteem. I would say that. I would say it started off with me not knowing who it is that I was and my worth. So I got into a relationship with someone that didn't care to be a dad, that didn't care to be a father, that didn't care to be a boyfriend. So when I wound up being pregnant and I decided that I was going to keep my child, he had nothing to do with it. So now, what, let me ask yeah. you this.
1: Tell me about the guy. What was he? Was he was he balling? Was he crawling? Did he have it going on, or should he have been uh, someone you told to go on? What made you decide, or was it even a decision to have not one? Because if you have one child by a fool, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. you have two children by a fool, that's altogether <laughs> not a different thing. So tell me what mm-hmm. happened that to the first baby.
0: So, um, again, me feeling abandoned in my household, me feeling misunderstood, and me running to the first person I had open arms, and him coming from a similar environment. So energetically we clicked because we was on the same low vibration, okay? And, um, And it felt good. We were having sex. I was 17 years old. I didn't know anything about that. I only knew that this feels good. This is somebody that's paying me mind, somebody that's giving me attention. And he felt the same way. And it resulted in pregnancy because, you know, I'm a woman and he's a man. You know, I, had, I was fertile and he had sperm. So,
2: <laughs> you know,
0: it, it resulted in a pregnancy. But it was no conscious decision of, I want to have a baby, you know, okay, like, let me, let's go here. Because a lot of women,
1: and, and a, I want to do this because this show is going to go by so quick tonight, and I don't want to miss things that can help, especially some young moms or some younger mm-hmm. women. But this is a phenomenon that happens. Young ladies and ladies that are not so young, those of you that are seasoned uh, divas, I want you to remember something. When you are either immature because of your age or because of your mental age, you know, just because you have the equipment to, to make a baby doesn't mean you should do so. And I think where a lot of moms miss the boat with their daughters and fathers, especially dads, you know, because I'm, I'm a proud father of some very wonderful daughters, um, We we have to understand that when those hormones are raging, And at the same time the hormones are raging, sometimes the young woman is at rage. And while she's being enraged, we have to stop and think as families and as people, what are we not pouring into, what signs are we not looking for in our daughters or in the single young woman that happens to be in college or the woman that thinks her biological clock is about to start ringing uh, Jess, what, what was going on with you where you, you, you highlighted to the point where you said, you know what, hormones up, I'm feeling groovy, everything is everything, and I decided to make this move. When did you have the red flags go off or the red lights go off so some of our sisters that are listening can pay attention to such flags?
0: The red flags went off the day that we met, um, but I wouldn't know that. As a 17 year old young woman. So, in hindsight, I can see everything. I'm like, wow, immediately. For me, the day that we met, we winded up having sex. So, that was a huge red flag right there someone that was willing to go into a bed with a minor. I mean, essentially, I was a minor. But, you know, at that time, that wasn't how I was feeling. I was feeling like a grown woman. I was feeling rebellious against my household. My parents were going through a uh, a separation. And, you know, I was in high school. I was at the end of my my last year in high school. So in hindsight, I can see all of those red flags. Now, the red flags would have had to go up for my parents maybe, you know, so that they can be aware that, this young girl is going through a, a form of depression. This young girl is looking for attention. But they were going through their own thing, and I feel like that's what happens a lot of times. Our parents are, you know, whoever is responsible for these teenagers, they're going through their own deals. So it's hard for them to go through what it is they're going through and pay attention to every nick and cranny that's going on for their children.
1: Now, I've got to ask this question. Yeah. Are both your kids by the same guy?
0: The first, yes, it's
1: supposed to, yes. Okay, so you already know what America is sitting there doing. That. The, I, I'm going to ask you this, and I'm guilty too, because I, there's a blessing and a curse that, you know, we have children by people. And sometimes we will realize after we had the first kid that, you know, why in the hell am I doing this now? Here's my reasoning. My thing is I grew up an only child. I'm an adopted-only child but within my family, but still I, I was blessed that my mother loved, my biological mother loved me enough to give me to relatives that could give me a better uh, environment than that which she could provide. So, you know, no no disrespect to my mom. If she hadn't done that, I probably would not be Dr. Young today. But my, But my thing and what I did was I did not want my kids not to have the same mom or I didn't want to have, you know, just uh, have a situation where my kids didn't have anybody to play with and all of that. What was your excuse for having a second style by an idiot?
0: So I would, did you say by an idiot?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's, uh hey, if you're a good um, woman and he left you, he has him, to be an idiot, so.
0: I, I, think, I think of him as a soulmate, why I say that. Because through all of the things that I learned, how you learned yours, or very early you said you wouldn't be the person that you are today if it wasn't for your biological mom offering you over to someone that can take care of you. I wouldn't be the person, the amazing person that I am today if I didn't go through the things that he took me through. So I look at him as a soulmate. And yes, it might have been an idiot, you know, you know, if it come from a judgmental point of view. But I, but I look at. Everything in life unfolding in perfect order So with that being said The reason why I did it again The reason why I had my second child Is because I was too far alone In my pregnancy actually um, I, I I got pregnant again by him, not because, um, oh, I want to have the same father for my two children or anything like that, just energetically the same place. I didn't go through any healing from the first situation to the next. So just because, you know, it looks like it makes sense, a lot of the things that we do aren't based on logic. A lot of it is based on feeling and emotion. And so feeling and emotion had me in a place where I feel like I want this person in my life. I want to understand what's going on with love that I think, that I feel between us, I got pregnant again. And before I could say, make a decision to say, no, I don't want this child, I was too far along in the pregnancy. So so that's how that came about.
1: So what – and before we go to break, because we're about to come up on our first break, uh, something I did want to ask you before we bring our next call, which had the total opposite experience that you had, is – is if there was a lesson to be learned from what you've experienced, what would that lesson be? The lesson to be
0: learned is – to look for the support that you need before you get into these situations. Look to the people that love you. Look to your parents for that support. Look to your friends. Look to your, your church, your environment, those things that will give you that kind of love and not a man. Because if he's in the same situation that you're in, and he's just as young and dumb as you are, he's not going to be able to provide for you now or in the long run.
1: Okay. Or okay, we're going to take a break, and we will be right back in about 45 seconds. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) me free. me free.
1: you are listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Von Young. If you want to get in on this conversation and you have some commentary or just an opinion, you can hit us up at 646-478-5610. That's area code 646-478-5610. We're talking about being a single mom, and I pick that, uh, t- that title, You Are Not the Father. Because it often is so associated with something like Maury and, you know, some some foolishness going on with somebody laughing at a person's life that's become a train wreck. But the truth is, how can a mother be both mother and father? How You know, what is it that uh, we are allowing to happen, not only in our society, but just within ourselves, that we will think that it's okay to take someone else's life and they have no say so in it and just derail it. And the person I'm referring to isn't the mother. I'm not talking about the father. I'm talking about the kids because at the end of the day the person that really loses when they don't have both parents is the child. However, in the process of that child being hurt there is often left someone holding the bag, and that person typically, and I'm not going to say I know a lot of single dads out there, and we're going to talk about that probably in the weeks to come. Mm-hmm. But tonight we're talking about that person left holding that bag happens to be that mom that has to be both mother and father to a kid, and sometimes it has some horrendous effects. Julia, we have another guest on that is a little bit, at a, uh, I would say, a bit of a different uh, experience than Minister Jazz. Do we have our other guest in?
2: She is. We have Miss Kia. She's the author of the book. Dear God, do deadbeat dads go to heaven? Baby Mama memoirs, and that pretty much says it all.
1: <laughs> wow. Whoa. Uh, you know. Jeez. All right. Well, first, I'm going to tell you, welcome to the show, and we're glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, now, I've got to ask. I'm listening to the title. And you want a brother to burn in hell. It's like you're saying, you know, dead be dead, go to hell and sit over there. So I'm going to throw some things out there uh, in all fairness. Number one, uh, all the guests that come on my show, whether I agree or disagree with their opinions is irrelevant. They're on the show because I want you, America, to give thought to different opinions. And by discussing the things that we typically don't want to talk about, it yeah, allows us all to become a little bit wiser. So tell us, what is your story?
4: Well, my I wrote the book, um, Dear God, Do Deadly Dads Go to Heaven, because I come from a generational um, cycle of single mothers. single fathers. That means my mother wasn't married. She raised us by herself, my grandmother. There was no stability of, um, no stable man image in my family. But they came around. We all had Mm -hmm. daddies. We all had uncles, but there was no man. And it's different. You know, just because a male was around don't mean he's a provider. So, Mm -hmm. therefore, that's where that comes from, my title, Dear God, the there dads go to heaven. It's just a question, and it's for me to talk about it. Um, when I wrote when I grew up I grew up seeing no fathers. But then my father came around but they wasn't responsible for us. It was okay for the government to take care of your children. So I decided in my life I was gonna do educational escape. I was gonna leave all of that behind. I didn't even want children. I wasn't gonna have children, I wasn't gonna date, I was I was gonna enjoy life and I did that for a while. I went to college did all the things I was supposed to do right, and the first time things didn't go my way, I went back and I I went back to what I knew, and that was my. What environment. do you mean? Wait,
1: wait. Let's let's slow down. When I, there are a bunch of questions I have to ask you first of all, right? <laughs> one of the things that I read when uh, my producer Julia sent your bio over to me, it says that Miss Kia is the girl of your dreams and of your worst nightmares wrapped all in one. You know, so I have to stop and think. There are a lot of brothers that get into a situation, and and I'm going to blame the man, and I'm going to blame the woman. You know, so if you guys are going to write me, at least I can get letters from both genders. But the truth is, you end up having these people that one, the baby, ninety five percent of the time isn't planned, I, and I'm you know probably ninety five, especially by a dude, unless he's just really some kind of control freak. Men don't plan to have this baby. So then this pregnancy happens that no one saw coming, and all of a sudden, uh, the, from the male side, because I just had a brother shoot me an email right now, and the email basically says this: is that a man cannot force a woman to have a baby, and they have no say-so in telling her to terminate the pregnancy if they don't want it. So my question to you is, where was your head when you find, found yourself? doing the exact opposite of what you plan to do, and that was have a baby without the
4: daddy. Well, this is it. When you go, I went out, like I said, I graduated college. I went on in the real world and found that that just a degree didn't mean anything. So what I did was I stopped planning, you know, and then we say the stupid thing that most women say. Well, if God let me get pregnant, he must want me to have a baby. Like like it's gossip we don't use condoms, we don't do anything, but when we get pregnant we ab act like they shocked. The man and the woman. What? You know what I mean? The man act like he's shocked. He didn't know that his um his sperm worked. The woman act like her body didn't work, but they enjoyed the feel good. Now they wanna ask the question, Should I keep the baby? And most of my friends and most people I do know say no. If you don't wanna be with me? I'm getting rid of this child. I love my baby from the moment that from moment of conception. And me and the baby father talked about it. We were, we was broken up, and I said, I'm keeping it. And I knew right then and there, for me to keep it, I would have to let that baby alone. It was no misunderstanding that he probably should have maybe. My hopes in my head was, yeah, it'll work out, you know what I mean, because I never knew the um, – well, I didn't know the details involved in raising a child because I had never seen anybody raise any. I'm talking about survival. So, so well. what
1: happened with you and dude once you get pregnant? What what happened after that? Did he bail on you? What, well, you know, what brought you to this angry place?
4: Well, what happened was we talked about it, and he was ecstatic at first. And um, he was like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to get married? Because I was in the South at that time. I said, I don't want to marry you. I was like, well, let's just be friends. Um, in about a, in the span of forty-eight hours, he got a chance to talk to his friends and family and realized that he was sterile, so he couldn't be his baby. Well, and wait, wait. So his friends
1: made. and family had a home sterility kid, and they, yeah, uh, they told did. him to go and uh, I guess go and uh, masturbate in a cup, and they checked okay. and said you don't have enough soldiers swimming, so you could make a that's baby.
4: right. And that's what that's he a told bunch me. Of bull,
1: but okay. But you know. And but you but
4: no, no, I didn't. I, I knew who my child's father was, and I, 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 I wore that. I said, you know what, you don't even man I'm sleeping with, I did a Murray on him. I'm 100% sure. I don't care if you come out looking green, it's your baby. But he said it so much, I started to doubt myself. I won the DNA. After, after you hear it so much, it ain't mine, it's not mine, you're lying. I'm looking like, I started to but think, Maybe let I me, lying. Let's
1: back up again, because now I'm going to turn into more. Um <laughs> Why would you need a DNA if you know who your baby's daddy is?
4: Well, truthfully, I think a lot of men should get DNAs. You know what I mean? You're not living together. Get a DNA. Back up.
1: That's not what I ask you. I ask you why did Keita get a DNA test if she she knew that was her child's father. She likes to
4: talk junk. I don't mind proving myself right. So if you think you need one, I say it is yours. And you're the only person I'm taking down here, so come get your DNA. But he was the only one I was speaking with. I wish I was speaking with somebody else because the child had a better chance of a father, but no. So
1: the DNA test was, did come back.
4: Oh, yes, and then he um, accused me of actually making the DNA test because I had a degree oh, in the wow. business and computers. So, of course, I had to make the DNA test. I actually drew up the papers and sent them to his house. I'm like, I'm like okay. like you Okay. He, so it was a it was a real situation. But what my book is about, mostly, is it's about not pointing fingers at him. And I know the <laughs> title throws people off a lot because they're like, oh, my goodness, you sound so jaded, you are mad. No, I wrote the book because nobody talks about the middle. Nobody tells the real deal of how it feels when you get pregnant, uh, when you have to go down into that welfare office, what happens when he's saying the child is not his. How do you feel? Now, in front of everybody, I was a bad mug. I would fight. I would cuss. I would whoop his tail, okay? you going to hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. I was, when I say i the woman of your nightmares, I was, because I was that crazy baby mama. I would give it to you, you know what I mean? And I wasn't messing with him no more, but my whole thing is I did everything possible to hurt him. The way I was well, talking. wait,
1: back up, back up. I want to hear, give me some examples. So, Because when I take young men, I'm a mentor, and I'm in this organization called 100 Black Men. It's like the one of the most powerful organizations in America for brothers, and, and especially when it comes to mentoring our young men. And I'm also part Hispanic, so I'm just going to speak to every minority out there. When I take my boys and I want to teach them about sex and relationships and consequences, I don't hold up condoms. I take them down to child support court where they can see a bunch of brothers with their foreheads in the palm of their hands with their elbows on their knees looking like they're about to cry. And I say, now, do you want to be here? Because this is the result of being promiscuous or, uh, you know, doing something that you are really not prepared mentally, emotionally, or financially to do. What kind of nightmarish creations did you concoct to teach uh, or to get back at the man that you co conspired with to mess up your life?
4: Well, coming from my environment, I grew up around a lot of domestic violence just in my neighborhood. So when I was carrying a child all the way up to the ninth month, if he, if I got a call from one of his new girlfriend saying anything like, I'm going to beat you up, I would go over there and punch him in his face. I mean, I would literally fist fight him. Um, we would actually, once the baby was born, I actually went to jail for baby shoes. I actually write about that in my book. Um, I went without seeing him for a while. I said, I'm done. I'm letting all this go, all this hurt go. And, um, his, the grandfather saw the baby. He didn't have shoes on. At the time, I couldn't afford them. I couldn't afford walking shoes. I was I was trying to get my life together, and he he called me. He said, please, just let me get my child some shoes. And I felt like, well, it, I would be a terrible mom if I didn't let my child get some shoes from their father. And when I went to go get the money for the shoes, he had pushed me down, helped me down to the ground and called the cops. And we both went to jail for domestic violence. And so when where was said, your
1: child when y'all were acting oh. like you were on WWL?
4: <laughs> My child at the time, he was only like nine months, and um, the child was right there with me in the car because I was just going to pick the money up for the shoes. And um, Wow. Yeah, and he actually said to the cop, the cop said, well, we just can't take her. She, you don't have any marks. I said, I didn't do anything. Now, mind you, I did a lot of stuff months before that, but that time I hadn't did anything at night. So when the cops came, you know what he said? Well, take us to jail. She don't even have money for shoes for her own baby. So I went to jail. I went to jail that night, wow. and it okay. was the kindness of a of a of a cousin who was sixty years old to take my baby. But I didn't get out of jail for like I think twenty four hours, and it took me ponding my car, title, and it took them me promising my welfare check to get out of jail. So my first welfare check. So I tell people that's the stories that's in my book. I mean, I'm telling people what really goes on. Now, mine might be a little extreme, but I'm not sitting here. It's not a one time I want a baby diapers. I'm talking about what did I do? What did I do? And why did I do it? And then how do I leave that alone? Because once I got out of that jail, I was ready to take on the world. After that, and this time when I came out fighting. I went to college and got me a master's degree instead of fighting him. That's what I did. You know, I tell but how you exactly. go to that?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm really just kind of like in awe, because on one breath, you're acting like a hood rat. The other breath, you're acting like a college professor. At the end of the day, you have been the spectrum of women and all, in just being the one, the one woman that you are. You have been the woman that a lot of sisters strive to be, and you've been the woman that some sisters should never be. How did you find common sense in the midst of all of this debacle?
4: What, what made you come soul. back to reality? I stopped lying to myself, and that's the thing. What nobody wants to do, nobody wants to wear the shame that they put on themselves. We want to lie and keep this front up. Oh well, he didn't love me. Oh yeah, it is his fault. It's his. I stopped looking at what he couldn't do. I stopped looking at everything. I said, you know what? I, I chose to have this baby. And if I love this baby enough, when, before I even knew him, I'm going to have to love him enough to fight for him and fight for me. If my head ain't right, if I'm in jail, I can't do this. See, and that's why I say I'm the woman of your nightmares and your dreams, because I can be both, but I have to choose for myself what I want to be. And most times people won't tell you, because I do have a master's degree, and I do teach, and I do all this wonderful thing. I'm the happy-go-lucky teacher, but nobody wants to tell you about the jail days. Nobody wants to tell you about the days without no lights, because... You don't have the money because your child is in pain or you don't have the insurance. And that's why I wrote the book to be provocative because I wanted people to know that it's a flip side. And if you actually knew what some of your mothers were going through, some sons knew what their mothers had to go go through, if some women knew what was waiting for them, maybe they would think a little bit harder. So I told the raw truth. And, I mean, even when you read my book, you'll be like, oh, my God, I could slap this girl. Then you might cry for this girl. Then you might laugh at that same girl. But it was me stop lying to myself. I said, you know what? Yeah, I loved him. Yeah, I wanted to be with him. I may say I want to be with him because society says put my hand up and say I'm a strong woman. But I wasn't strong. I was lonely. I was hurt. And when I told myself that, nobody else can hurt me no more. Then I mean, but when I told myself that, I cried a lot. I cried, I lost hair over that statement, I lost it. But at the same time, once you take off your own mask for yourself, then you can start building yourself up. And that's what most people don't want to do. They want to say, my child wasn't wanted. And I still made the statement, I still, you asked the lady earlier, how did you get the second child? (laughs) I have another child. I well, hey, stuff? we're going
1: to talk about that when we come back from the break. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Von Young. During the next segment, if you want to call in, you can call us at 646-478-5610. I'm going to have both my guests in the next segment. And I definitely want to hear some of your opinions, and I've got a lot more questions to ask. I'll repeat that number again. It's 646-478-5610. This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. We'll be right back.
4: I was <laughs> talking too fast.
1: No, you're not. Okay, we're back, and this conversation is really getting deep. Julia, do we have anything in the in the chat room or uh, uh, in the queue that needs to be read or said before I get into this?
2: All we have is an email. can't tell the tone of it because it is an email, but it says, what about working single moms? What about single moms that didn't go through a lot of the struggles but still found themselves single? So I don't know what that means necessarily, but that's the email that came in. You can interpret that how you okay. will. Okay, I'm
1: going to ask this to both of my guests. Uh, both of you had almost uh, the same experience, but you handle it totally different. So I just, uh, whoever wants to take this question first, uh, Kia, if you want to take it first, that's fine. But what I really want to hear is what was your wake-up call?
4: Mine was a jail. When I said, um, when I went to jail, I was breastfeeding my son. And when I heard him say that she don't have money for her baby shoes, I went to jail and I was lactating all over this orange suit. I mean, and I just fall for like the well, 18 hours I was in jail, and I was just soaking wet. Like, my baby, can't, I can't feed my baby because I'm in jail. You know what I mean? Like, and he don't even care that his child is breastfed, that, but I'm just sitting here, you know what I mean. Your chest is in gold, just in pain. I'm in pain because I've been breastfeeding solely for my since my child was born, and here I am in pain. Bretting and my 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 jumper is soaking wet from the milk because I'm lactating all over the place, and they won't help. And that was my wake up call. Wait,
1: okay. I got. Let me ask this, Minister Jazz. What about mm-hmm. you?
0: My wake up call didn't happen until about ten years later. Um, I came. I allowed him to live in my house after I, you know, raised up myself and my children. And I allowed him, he was in a bad position. And he called me. I let him come. And one day I went away, and I came home, and everything he had stole from me. He had broke into my broke into the house and stole some things. And my son saw it. My oldest son, and he said to me, "Mommy, why would my father do this? He hates me." And when my son said that to me, I said, no more. No more can I allow him to be in my life, in his life, and to, um, you know, make him subject to the things that are going on with with this man, you know, just because it's his father, that he doesn't have to be in his life. And that was my wake-up call to say, you know what, I got this. I don't need him to be in my life, especially if it's not moving in a forward direction.
1: Okay. One thing I want to ask both of you – Times have changed. Back in the day, the stereotype was that a single mom was some kid in the ghetto, you know, that just was out there because of a lack of parental support or supervision or what have you. But now what we found and especially what I found in my research is that there are a lot of women out there that are just choosing that, you know, I'm 40, I'm 35, I'm I'm 30, I've got a great job, I don't need a man to, I just want the baby. What do you say to that mother? And I want you to take that first, Minister Jazz, and then, uh, Kia, I want you to answer it. But what do you say to the woman that figures, you know what, I'm going to start off depriving my child of having a father? Has stuff gotten so jacked up? that we want to be hermorphodites instead of uh, trying mm-hmm. to give a child a balanced environment that we prefer. And I understand that sometimes people die. I understand that sometimes relationships just run their course. But if you can fix it, you need to fix it. But what do you say to that woman that doesn't even want to to uh, start out with that opportunity and just says, you know, screw it, I just want to have a baby? What do you say to that?
0: I say to her, congratulations. I say to her that if she's making that decision consciously, that this is what I want to do, then I'm sure that she's putting and setting in a lot of uh, things that will allow for that child to have a balanced experience. Just because there's two parents in a household doesn't mean that that's a healthy household. More than likely, because of the rates that are going on with divorce and stuff like that, it's, it's probably not a healthy household. So I don't I don't think that just because you are in a single parent household that you are being deprived of anything necessarily you know if that's all that you know then that's what it is and it's okay mother is consciously making this decision it's different if you get pregnant and you're having to deal with it and you're unprepared but a prepared mind that says okay i'm going to go forth and i'm going to have this baby and i'm going to you're going to put other things in place to make sure that that it just shows a level of maturity to be able to do that i say okay why are you
1: saying that I, i want to camp on that for a minute There are lots of situations out there where I definitely agree with you. It is better for a child to have one sane parent than to have two parents, and one is a part-time fool, and the other one uh, alternates in foolishness with that individual. Mm -hmm. However, that does not make up for us saying, because it's almost like what we're saying is, you know what, let's just accept the lesser of evils, and do this. Now, Now, mind you, I happen to have a couple of very, even clients that are single moms, and they are awesome. They take very good care of their children. They're attentive. Uh, a couple of them are very, very successful business women, and they can handle it. But what about that person that decides that they can't handle it because, you know, there's a thing that comes with being, a single parent, because I've done it. So I'm not just talking about the gender thing, but I'm just going to name a few things that people should probably think about here. Number one, dating. You know, there's a thing that some people just figure, you know what, I'm just going to have to give up my life for my child, which that's not fair to the child because now you've got this overindulgent, over-divested parent giving a child all this attention that they will never get when they get older. So you've got a child that has entitlement issues when you do that. Or the other of it is the person that dates too damn much and exposes their child to everybody and everyone to the point that if you have a little boy, He doesn't respect mom because he's seen her with every Tom, Dick, and Harry. And if you have a little girl, she doesn't like men because she's probably seen these guys hurt her mother. So now we've started uh, almost just mentally uh, uh, bruising the psyche of a child. So, you know, when we decide that we want to take on being both mom and dad and, and we want to do it, And intentionally do it that way Do you really think that's
4: Such a good idea And and Anakia
1: what's your opinion of that Because you've been through hell so Tell me what is your opinion of that idea
4: Well my thing is like If you have I I wanted to say if you have the money and the resources Kudos to you However every child acts For where they came from You know if you adopt them You know you'll tell them the story I I haven't been a single mother. I, I, my job went around my children. There has never been anybody else there but me, okay? And I see that it's very important, even if I don't like the father, for them to know their father. My kids wear their father's last name. They don't wear mine because they know who I am. And I think it's still they need to know. I think that we need to start questioning what happened to the, the, the family, what happened. You know, what happened to people not wanting to be there? And, I mean, not just the money. I'm not, the money, I, you can make more money, but you can't get the time back. I'm having issues with my kids now, but it's not about money. They don't see money. Whether I put them on some shacks or some Jordans, what they want is why I'm not worth the time. You know what I mean? Because mommy is tired, tired because I have to work. i got to provide the braces. I provide the insurance. I provide everything. They want to know where the other half is at. And I actually moved around more males, moved Mm -hmm. a whole other state so they can be around their uncles, so they can see positive male images. I don't care what nobody say. I can't do it alone. And I see you. Well, let me ask you
1: this, and and I'm going to say this to both uh, Minister Jazz and you too, Kia. There are milestones that happen when we're raising a child, and, you know, a, a couple of them are the time at night when that baby's teething. And it's just on you. You're the one that has to get up. There is nobody to say it's your turn to, you know, and that is hell to deal with. Other time that when you need to wash the clothes or, or wash the dishes or go grocery shopping and you have a colicky baby, well, you know, not everyone has an aunt or a cousin or even someone that you can leave the baby with. So now you are basically going to have to take your child out, and especially if you live in the northeast in the winter and Texas in the summer and the heat of the cold. And then there's this other thing that let's say when this baby says the first words or takes that first step, there's nobody to look over to and celebrate with. What do you say to someone that makes the decision to take on all of that? Because I really, from being a proud father, I know for a fact missing having that to share with someone is a huge piece not only out of your life but out the child's life. So my question to either of you, is that really fair to the kid? What's your answer to that, Minister Jazz?
0: So well, I think that we are placing way too much responsibility on, on the parent. Um, I come from a philosophy that we are born to the people that we need to be born to in order to manifest the best possibility within us so many people i mean and you said this before and i and i and i really acknowledge you for this because you said you were born to this particular mother that gave you up so that you can be adopted and it created the situation that you are who you are today people go through certain struggles in their life and they have to in order to have the realization of who their greatest possibility is for themselves. So when we keep trying to create a perfect situation every time, we're taking away that ability for that person to grow and develop in that. So if I am a mother and I had to go through certain struggles from 17 years old I had my first child and 19 years old when I had my second child and those two boys had to go through things with me. I had to go on photo shoots and jobs and take opportunities and I had to take them with me. Now, if you ask them who they are today, they'll say, I'm a strong black man. I'm honest and wise. I can do anything because my mother said so, and I believe her, and I can too. So that's the, i like, yes, we, we slept in cars. We slept, you know, I've been homeless, like so many things that I've gone through with my fellas. But because of that, they are amazing individuals. They're not victims of me. You understand what I'm saying? So it, it's not about make like, trying to create this perk. It's not going to happen like that. There's no way that you can cover every single nick and cranny because it's
4: a lot. Wow. Okay, but let me ask you this. this
1: Wait a minute.
4: I have a question. I want to interject. in mm-hmm. the However, some of the situations we cause on ourselves, it's like um, – yes. A lot of the things we call – now, don't get me wrong, I understand. We all have our own story, and we have to be strong. But we have to be strong because a lot of times we dug that ditch for ourselves. Oh, and yeah. I would love not to have dug that ditch for my sons, you know. And, I'm, and I am and I admire people who have net support. And it's the only thing when I talk to young women who have a mother, who have an aunt, I said, don't abuse them. Don't use them. But because a lot of things we do to ourselves, we did that. And we would have listened to what was supposed to be said, we put ourselves in that hole. Now, we dug ourselves out of that hole, but it didn't have to always be that hard. If we God gave us, he was telling us, he was on our shoulders, warning us. We chose not to listen, you know what I mean? And so because we put ourselves in that situation, now we got to work harder to get out of it. And I do, sometimes I do beat myself up because I'm like, some things my kids shouldn't have to go to, but because I made that mistake, they got to go through that with me. You know, because I chose this. And well, I mean, that's a good I do pay for strength from God that help me through it, and he has, but my whole thing is you can't say that. It was just, oh, it was just that sometimes he out we was our own problem. I mean, yes. my situation. Well, let me there. say that's this, clear. and I mean, let me awesome. cut this off just for a second, that's that's here.
1: Awesome. Here's what I want to say to that, and, and both of you are making some really wonderful points. However, I've got to interject, you know, because at the end of the day, the reason why people are in my office sitting in front of me crying and I'm handing them tissues or that I'm dealing with uh, some young woman or some young man who's had a parent that was stuck on stupid or that, uh, you know, because there are times when nobody has to be in poverty. But when you have had, when when you get to be 30, when you get to be 40, your ass could have gone back to school. Now, was it going to be hard? Of course it's going to be hard. I, You know, and I'll just use even me for an example, because if God can use me, I assure you, America, he can use anybody if he could use me, because I was about as crazy as a mosquito in a beer bottle. But, you know, I when at 40 years old, my mother died. I'm an only child, and I'm talking about the mother that raised me, not the mother gave birth to me. But I was an only child, and everything got embezzled. I had to start over, I had to work, I had to do this, I had to do that. I miss seeing my children's uh, part of their middle school years, some of their high school years, because I was in pre-med and, and all this stuff. And I'm saying that to say that there are times in our lives that we've got to stop talking about it and be about it, because kids do not ask to be born. And if you are going to be a parent, and I'm talking to dads and moms, too, we need to quit being so damn sorry and really stop and think, you know what? God just trusted us with somebody else's, not only their life. He trusted us with somebody else's soul. And the crap that we do, the things that we say, and now I'm going to start talking about friends in-laws, aunts and uncles, and grandparents and and cousins and what have you, if you are around a child, don't talk about that child's mother. Don't talk about that child's father. That makes you an idiot, and what you're doing is you're taking the child, and instead of them being able to feel safe and secure with being around family members or cousins or aunts and what you know, even your friends, what that child ends up doing is start having resentment for part of who they are. Now you've talked about their mom. They resent part of themselves, and sooner or later they're going to start resenting you because you've been talking about them, and then we wonder why our kids end up joining a damn gang. We wonder why our kids end up uh, experimenting with their sexuality. And I'm not going to say there's anything right or wrong with being gay, but that should be a decision you make because you are an adult and you understand your sexuality, not because your ass got molested because your parent wanted to go to the club and left you with some freak that night. It shouldn't be something because those were the only people that were nice to you, and now you've got, uh, you're got wearing blue and a rag, meaning, you know, gang colors, and you end up having a 14-year-old funeral because the family that he ended up really, Quote, unquote, loving him ended up being a street family rather than one in the home. But here's my next question before I get on that sandbox. Ladies, when there are usually some people, I'm going to say 50% or more, the relationship with the other parent is pretty cool. And it's pretty cool until one thing happens. And and this is uh you know, this is something I'm gonna have Jaylene Max. She Jaleen is one of my is my uh entertainment attorney and I'm gonna bring Jaylene on in just a minute. Uh, but I just wanna say this and I, I want uh Jay to speak to this. Typically the parents are cool, really cool, even if they were married or just had a baby. And they're cool until one thing happens and that's the other parent starts dating somebody else. Then all of a sudden, somebody ends up going to court for child support or for a custody issue, and now we've got an innocent kid in the midst of a hot ghetto mess. Jaylene, are you on the line? Julia, do we have Jaylene on the line?
4: Hello.
1: Okay. Well, I guess it's something technical. Uh, Julia, if Jaylene comes on the line, go ahead and put her in. But the issue that I'm speaking to is this, you know, how is it that we can end up allowing something like someone trying to move on with their life and create a not only a life for themselves but possibly even a stable home environment? How? What do you ladies suggest to the single moms out there? How should they handle dating? And how should they handle especially with you, Miss Crazy Kia, uh, not going crazy and ended up doing acting a fool while you got your child in the car at the baby's daddy house because you came over and saw some chick that, you know, may or may not be a good mother or even better mother than the biological mom. Kia, since you're the one with the experience, tell us your advice to women and dating, be it the dad getting a new significant other or the woman, what would you tell them the do's and don'ts would be?
4: First of all, understand the child is your child and his child. So however he treats his child, that's how she's going to treat him, his significant other. So if he don't treat his child good, don't expect for her to treat him good. Don't get mad at her. The child's father needs to My child's father, I don't think, treats his son good. I don't get mad at the woman because that's not her child. She followed his lead. My other son, you know, me personally, nobody can ever treat my child better than I can. I make sure of that. So no matter how many people the father wants them to call mom when he's on vacation, it doesn't bother me. But at first it did. It did. It bothered me a lot because I gave both of my fathers an opportunity to walk away. They took me to child support even though I had the child. So I'm opposite of all this. I told
1: them this. Well, let me ask you this. Hang on. Uh, We've got uh, Jaylene is on now. Jaylene, Mm -hmm. are you there?
2: One moment. Let me patch her through.
1: Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jaylene Mack, and Jaylene is um, one of the top entertainment attorneys in the country, but she also does a lot of family law. And uh, talk about Supermom. This woman is an actress and God, so many feature films. It's ridiculous. Uh, I, every time I talk to her, she's taking a kid somewhere or picking a kid up, not to mention being a good wife. Jay, how in the hell do you do all of that? You can tell us later. But tell us how we can avoid the parent trap. So
3: you can. to hear me now, right? Yeah, we yeah, can hear, you you.
1: hear
3: Okay, sorry, I was on earlier. Hello, hello, but you guys couldn't hear me. Uh, hi, everybody on the line. I'm hoping that I can give two cents that makes sense. I am not a uh, single parent. I'm, I'm married 17 years, and uh, my husband's here in the house, and he's a very good father. But as a friend of single parents and as a lawyer who does family law, I certainly see the impact um, it, it, it has on people in post-divorce or going through divorce. Um when it comes to single parenting, you guys mentioned something earlier about you know when the the dad or the ex spouse or whatever moves on and now there's a the, or or the wife moves on and now there's a the girlfriend or a friend in the picture uh you know as far as like with the court, they don't give you any guidance on that other than you're not supposed to have your children around people who be considered unfit and I will say that. Parents, the, the, the main problem that I see post-divorce or post-breakup is parents using the other parent uh, uh, against the child, and, you know, in other words, saying bad things about them, um, oh, his girlfriend ain't nothing, she don't like you, uh, those kind of negative things. And a lot of times, oftentimes, they're just lies. They they come from a hurt place for that parent and they're just um, acting out and they're hoping that the child will side with them even more or be closer to them and not want to go visit that, that non-custodian parent. And that tends to be a, a huge problem in the aftermath. And you start Let me to ask you this, Jacqueline.
1: You mm-hmm. used the term a minute ago. You said an unfit individual. So, um, you know, unfit to somebody could be the chick is another race. Unfit to another person could be um, that the fact that they are unemployed or they don't like the nature of this person's employment. Let's throw the bull crap out the window. Jaylene, what is an unfit person to be around a child by the court's definition?
3: Right. It's not a subjective definition. It's not how we feel about that person. Um, but it is something more specific, like this is a person that has a criminal past that to still haunt him, they're engaged in current criminal activities, they hang around um, uh, uh, criminals and do engage in criminal acts, um, they are abusive, whether it's verbally or physically, um, maybe they do drugs in front of a child. Anything that that uh, exposes the child to some type of potential harm uh, that's not meant for the child's well-being, that's not something in the child's best interest, that is an unfit parent, just because... The uh, let's say there's a battle over child over over child custody, and the mom who the child is of course used to being around and being nurtured by, etc. The mom is between jobs. Uh, the mom has to borrow money a lot. The mom is is doing part time jobs here and there. Uh, uh, somebody who's in a battle, the father might take that and say, "Oh, she's unstable. She's unfit." You know, she, she's uh, economically challenged. She's unfit. That's not an unfit parent. That's a parent in the hustle mode trying to survive. That's what that is. So you might look at it, the the the, the person in the battle, might look at it as a negative, you know, they don't have it together, you know, they're between jobs, well, that's not unfit. But unfit is something like, you know, a parent, you know, doing smoking weed, doing crack, whatever it is in the company of the child, maybe even introducing the child to it or hanging around friends that sell drugs, those kind of unsafe environments, that's how they look at to determine who's unfit. The court doesn't determine uh, okay. hey,
1: who you One other date. question. Let hey, me ask one day. other question because I'm getting uh, some comments in the chat room from a couple of guys. Okay. And uh, one guy asked me, well, not chat room, in a direct email to me, a guy has asked me, he says, Doc, ask the attorney, what can a man do and I'm going to say not just a man, but let's just say a good parent, okay? Let's not get this to be some sexist. We're not going to go there. But what can a good parent do uh, legally to protect their interests, to make sure that they have fair and reasonable access to a child, as well as uh, for the custodial parent, what should be a realistic expectation for a personal life where they don't end up getting whatever legal things could be put in place used against them just because they want to have a life.
3: Well, uh, as far as what can you do to protect yourself, you know, let, me, let me give my disclaimer because I'm sure people are on the call from all over. I'm licensed in the state of Texas. Texas is a community property state. Each state has their own set of rules and regulations. A lot of states are very similar in how they carry things out. But there might be some procedural things that are are different. You know how they calculate child support, um, whether or not there's a uh, legal separation in that state. So assuming coming from the preference, uh, the, the uh, com- coming from the standpoint that um, in these instances most states are the same, I would say to start off, get you a good attorney. Okay, it's expensive when you go to court. Bottom line. You pay what you get. You pay for what you get. So if you're uh if you're, you know, shopping around for an attorney and you're going with the attorney that's cheaper, cheaper might not necessarily be the best be the best. And I and I'm sorry to say, you know, it it just costs money when you get into a legal battle. So I always tell people, choose your battle and make sure that the attorney fits your needs. So that's my starting point. Um, then secondly, obviously through the negotiation phase or the mediation phase, you want to make sure that there's a give and take. There are some things that are pretty standard, like in Texas we have standard visitations and, um, and some standard orders as it, as it relates to uh, what a child is in custody of the other parent, whether it's birthdays, holidays, whatever. That, But those standard visitations are in place in the event parents can't agree. Otherwise, post-divorce or post parent-child relationship order, you know, maybe you went to attorney general and got a child support order put in place and visitation and legitimacy put in place, post all those kind of orders, you can make decisions that are mutual decisions that benefit yourself and the child. You you just can But people who argue, people who can't agree, people who don't get along, people who fall out, people who say, no, I'm not going to let you have them today, but you might get, get them in two weeks, you go back to the standard order. They're in place for a reason. Um, you obviously want to... Make sure you're paying what you're supposed to in terms of court order, child support. Now, I would say this. With child support, you have a lot of, and it's mostly men. We know it's mostly men that end up paying child support. Not always, but mostly. Probably seven out of ten times it's it's the man that's paying child support these days and ages. We know oftentimes because people are in battle when when there's a divorce. Somebody wants to win, they want the other person to lose, okay to Despite, um, even when it starts off, you know, all nice and sweet, at some point usually there's a turn in circumstances and everybody's against each other. Okay, so when you're assessing child support, in my opinion, this is probably the cheapest fixed bill you will pay. So all the fathers or mothers, if you have to pay child support, and it's court-ordered and it's per year income, and in Texas it's 20% if you just have one child. If there are other children, then it might be offset. Or it might be more if you have more than one child, but let's just say it's 20% of your net income. And let's just say that amount comes out to $200 a month. Don't fight and fuss about $200 a month. It is hardly anything because we all know it takes way more than that to raise a child. But because people are in battle, oftentimes they they don't want to see that part. They want to see I ain't giving that the $200. Why? So she can go get her nails done on my $200? The law doesn't say how to spend the child support. It's just that somebody is ordered to pay it and somebody is ordered to receive it. And no matter what, I don't care if that woman gets her nails done, gets her car washed, goes out and buy a new outfit. Those funds are commingled in her regular source of income. And when she pays that light bill and when she puts food on that table and when she puts gas in her car so she can run her kids around all these after school activities. That child support is benefiting that child. Period. So, wow. if every person wow. that's ordered to pay child support thinks of it in that terms, you know, I did my part. The court said I got to do this. I got a child, and if that child lives with me, it's gonna cost me probably fifteen hundred dollars a month to take care of that child because every time I go to Target and I get to the register, that child's gonna stick something in the basket that we didn't go there for. Okay? Um, that child's gonna come home from school and say, "Well, Billy got a new d." Three, whatever they call it, 3ds. Can I add one, Mom? Okay, that's not too hard. Enough. It's a lot of stuff that you pay for that's the extra that people um, don't really calculate in terms of establishing a number uh, to meet how much this is going to cost me per month to raise this child. So I always say child support is pretty cheap when you look at it in the great scheme of things, and it's based on your income. So if you don't make a lot of money, but there's a lot of expenses for the child, you're still coming out ahead. But I do like parents. I know I'm running. Running around, running on and on and on. But for parents, that it's it's it, it, it's amazing to see the idea of parents after divorce. And what I mean by that is, I've seen couples that, like for instance, the husband between jobs, he would call the uh, the mother and say, "Hey, I got laid off. Don't worry, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch up and give you something extra when um, when I get back on my feet." Or the mom might call and say, "Hey," You know, so and so has an extra expense this month. Do you mind kicking in? No problem. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a little something extra because I know you're going to need that same thing next month. I love that. I love hearing that because there shouldn't be any reason to fight over something that you know is directly related to your child's needs. Wow. Hey, Jay, uh, what I want to do
1: is because we've been ready to run short on time. If anybody has any questions, you want to give them a way to reach out and contact you?
3: Um, That's fine. Again, I'm only licensed in Texas, so I don't know if I can help everybody everywhere. But my uh, office number is 713 661 6225. And my name is J Lane Mack. That's J A L E N E M A C K. And again, the number is 713 661 MAX. M A C K 661 6225.
1: All right. Hey Jay, thanks for taking a moment and chiming in. And please don't send me a two hundred and fifty dollar
3: bill. <laughs> he already sent <sits> down.
1: <laughs> All right. No anyway, work. back to the show. And thank you, Jay. We appreciate that input. Absolutely. Uh one thing I want to do is uh when we're, we're getting down to our last uh fifteen minutes, but I wanna uh just first uh before I want my guests to hang on, but I'm gonna go through some things and just a quick little monologue that I think some parents need to hear and at the end of the show i'm going to have both these ladies give you their uh... their contact information their products and what have you but i just want everyone to really pay attention especially you single moms out there There's some things that you need to really think about and these things are going to help you be a better single parent this is the stuff that people come in my office and pay the 210 an hour fee for for me to help them when they're parenting the first one is you get an attitude adjustment for yourself. Stay positive. Focus on all the benefits of single parenting. So right now, if you're pregnant and you're about to have a baby and it's just you, the less conflict and the less tension you have in your crib, the better off you're going to be baby. So you make sure that you don't let anybody bring some pre-baby mama drama. Or If you already have children, this is a time for you really to start looking around and asking yourself, you know what? Is this girlfriend I got really a friend? I mean, is she bringing crap in my house that my children don't need to see, don't need to hear? Because a lot of people talk and say things, and they figure because the child is two or three, they're not picking it up. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to inform you. The way you talk, not the words you say, the pitch, the tone, the inflection, and your body language – teaches a kid a whole lot more, and you're communicating things that you will never be able to erase from that child's memory, And to play into an old phrase that I love to use. Your kids may not pay too much attention to what you say, but they will never forget what you do, all right? The next thing is when you're having a little boy or a little girl Don't let your kid turn into a brat. People, make sure that you establish firm, clear boundaries that leave no doubt that you are the boss in the house. You know, single-parent households, two-parent households, it doesn't make any difference. They make the mistake of allowing children to become equal partners or peers, or if too many children are there and they start running the show, this leads to a Serious problem for your child, not only as an individual, but when the teacher starts calling you or your kid comes around, somebody like me that still believes, and, you know, time out don't work all the time. I'm from the old school. I will put your kid over my knee. You feeling me? And then the next thing, don't try to be super person. Everyone cannot be Jaylene Mack. Everyone can't be uh, Kia. Everybody can't be Minister Jazz. You know, you don't have to be a super parent. Just let your kids know that, you know what, I'm tired, I've worked today, you know, I'm having cramps, my feet hurt. You know, it's extremely wise for you to remember to tell your children that you're human and you can only do and take so much. And here's how you can help yourself. Arrange for carpools when possible. Ask the other parents at the daycare, at the schools, can you all trade out, you know, watch the kid night now. I'm going to warn you, you go check out folks' cribs, because if you walk in and smell some weed or see that box of wine sitting over there on the table, you might not want to leave your kids with them. If you see those parents burning, rubbing the car, and cussing and yelling at the kids, you might not want them to give your child a ride from uh Practice, but you know screen out it and when you and there are a lot of good, decent people and single moms that need another single mom or a single dad to help things happen now here's the other thing: recognize that you're one person and that you're doing the best you can, no matter how loving and competent you are you're still only one person, and you're doing a job that most people would agree is meant for two people. So don't allow your children to manipulate you by making you feel guilty about the situation. And remind that little crumb snatcher that, you know what, you and I have to be a team, and give yourself credit for a job well done. Don't let people make you feel bad because they went and bought their child a toy that you can't afford to buy your kid. The next thing, uh, create a stable and nurturing home. That is the most important thing you can give your child. Because kids need stability and they need security. So while it's important for kids to have whatever, you know, they've already suffered a loss due to a divorce or due to the death of a parent or you and significant other breaking up. So whatever you do, remember, if your life is unstable, your kid is up a creek. The next thing is establish predictable routines and schedules. Moms, I'm going to tell you, You get, don't quit letting your baby sleep in the bed because as long as your children are in the bed with you, God can't let a man get in there. And I'm not saying you should have men, plural, but when the right man comes, you don't want your kid pissed off at you because now that, you know, you've been blessed to have someone come in your life, now they feel like this is competition. So the way that you can prevent that is you start out by creating stable and and predictable routines and they must not be rigid or inflexible because kids need kids need to learn that life isn't always predictable but do find a healthy balance and the last three things is i want you to take care of yourself single parents you are going to have to understand that sometimes it, you might need a babysitter even if you don't leave home just to tell your kids look leave me alone i'm going to be in my bathtub for the next hour So when you come back in, your living room is on fire, make sure you have someone that can watch the kids while you stay home, while you sit in the backyard, and someone that can put them to sleep so you can actually enjoy your house. The next thing is get you a reliable support system. And I'm going to tell you, make sure that you do this. You, you know, Hillary Clinton, and I'm not trying to get political, but the sister did make a point. You can't raise no kid by yourself. It does. I'm not going to say a village because a village of nuts uh, may come into play, but you only need two or three caring, loving people. And trust me, if you ask God to do it, pray He will send people. Now, these next two here, and these are the two biggest things I want you to remember. Your child is your child. Your child is not your peer. I don't care how regardless your little boy or your little girl is, that ain't no little man and that is not a little woman that is a kid. This is a common mistake that parents make and yeah, I'm not going to say that moms do it more than dads, but typically they do, and it's unintentional. But many single parents, especially single moms, tend to turn to their child for emotional support when they uh, go through something. You know, now your child went from being five years old to your homegirl. You could stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. That is some crazy stuff. Quit doing that. Allow children to be children. And find and you find other adults to worry the hell out of, not your dang kids. And lastly, people, get you some realistic expectations about life. Focus on what's successful and quit being and having these parties talking about your failure. Set realistic goals as a family. If your kids are teenagers especially, y'all need to learn to work together. Make their butts go get a job. Quit trying to be superwoman. It ain't going to kill your child at work, and it's okay to say no. They do not need to have on Jordans. You can go to Payless and get that child some tennis shoes. They may not uh, be what everybody else is wearing, but at least they got on some shoes. you know. And give your kids credit and give yourself credit. Make sure that if if you're feeling overwhelmed, depressed, anxious, or stressed, Call somebody like me. You know, you may have to spend a little money, but I guarantee you it's a lot cheaper for you to pay me than to pay an attorney, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper to pay me than to pay the funeral home or someone that's like me. So get a competent uh, coach or therapist that can help you see the light at the end of your tunnel. Now, uh, with my two guests, would you please, uh, I guess we'll uh, start and uh, with Minister Jazz, Jazz, tell people how they can reach you and where they can obtain your materials.
4: Please visit me,
0: um, Minister Jazz, M-I-N-I-S-T-A, com. I want to say to you guys that I love you, and if you are ready to take responsibility for your position and have compassion for yourself where you are, then you you know come see me and i will walk you through that journey helping you to really realize the power that you have within you to be able to do all that you want to do for yourself and for your children ministerjazz.com
4: thank
1: you minister jazz and miss kia how can they get your book and how can they get in contact with you
4: well my book is dear god to Debbie dads go to heaven and it's available at um memoirs. Dot com. It's only $12 And a lot of men love the book I get a lot of good feedback Because it tells you a lot It's uncensored And I'm warning you now It's the raw truth So com.
1: All right, ladies, I I appreciate both of you guys taking time to be on the show. Callers, uh, next time, just keep calling us in. Sometimes things get a little elated. We'll try to get to your calls. But this is Dr. D. Yvonne Young. You've been listening to Conversations with D. Yvonne Young. We will be back on Wednesday at noon, so don't miss that show. Julia, uh, is there anything you've got for him, or are we going to call it a night?
2: We're calling it a night. Just stay tuned for more great shows to come.
1: All right, America, we love you. God bless you. And if you can't find anybody else to do it, love yourself. Have a fantastic evening, and I will talk to you on Wednesday.